in check with fintech organized by the payments and cards network with me on the show today is rafael bufaki from Primero pay rafael welcome to the show hi here thank you very much uh, it's good to be here Great to have you. Um, a bit of an introduction on you, Rafael. So you have a background actually from Citibank, right? You started as an analyst there, then became a corporate sales trader. And about two and a half years ago, you joined Primero Pay. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, so uh, my, my career, my first employment was in Citi. Uh, I started that in 2010 uh, while I was doing university. Uh, I graduated in, in business administration there. Uh, I worked as an analyst for uh, the credit back office team. Uh, in 2014, I managed to to make my way into the into the FICC desk. Uh, FICC standing for Fixed Income Currency and Commodities. So I basically dealt uh, alongside clients uh, on their commodity, currency, and fixed income needs. Uh, there is where I met Primero Pay. Uh, Tim, uh, who is the managing director, uh, was my client there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in 2018, uh, we decided it would be a good move uh, for me, uh, for both both for myself and for the company to 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 start working in, in Primero Pay. Uh, and then is when I when I joined and uh, on the role of director of finance. Great. All right. Okay. Um, and I know Primero Pay as um, a payments company that helps kind of international uh, businesses expand predominantly into uh, LATAM. Um, is that right? Is there more to it than uh, I just said? Oh, that is correct. I mean, uh, we, we work mainly on the payments side uh, and what we see, and, and uh, this is since the inception, uh, right? Since, since Primero Pay was founded, uh, there has always been a big struggle from the company side uh, to expand to Latin America and emerging markets as a whole, uh, mainly when it comes to, to payments, right? Uh, before uh, before the company was founded uh, uh, by Tim, uh, he used to work on the merchant side on a video game company. Mm -hmm. uh, he was on the role of expansion. Uh, he came to Brazil, and the first problem he found was payments, a problem which we he could not uh, uh, find a solution for from the merchant side. All right, years later, uh, from 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 this occurrence, then uh, he with uh, uh, another investor. Uh, found in Primero Pay exactly to help on this expansion, right? Uh, so what we like to say is we're, we're experts uh, at the, the countries we operate in uh, and we'll always help the merchants uh, find a viable solution for the expansion, uh, mostly for those global companies with global reach. Uh, they support uh, multiple uh, regions, multiple continents, and they don't necessarily have the time to dig deep into every single economy, right? Uh, so they will they will likely rely on a partner to do that for them, mm -hmm. uh, so that they can continue to to grow and focus on their expansion plans, uh, leaving the, the 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 collection side of the business to us uh, or to companies like ours, right? Makes sense. Is it so difficult to expand into? Brazil, Latin America, because of local regulation? Is it because of the infrastructure? Is it all of the above? Or what are the reasons for I would making say it so all difficult? of the above. Yeah, okay. I would say all of the above. So uh, regulate, I mean, it's, it's always hard to expand to a country that is not, that doesn't follow the same guidelines as yours. So I will start at currency, right? The currency itself is already uh, a difficulty. 
Uh, when we're talking about Europe versus the U.S., then uh, not necessarily, right? Because those are two very strong currencies, the, the U.S. dollar and the euro. Uh, they're not that volatile among themselves. And an American paying euros wouldn't find this weird, right? Uh, when a Brazilian or a Mexican are paying in, in dollars or in euros, that already changes the figure. Uh, they are very, very volatile currencies, yeah. uh, emerging markets, right? So, so right by the definition, it already means uh, that the currencies uh, will, uh, have, will will be more volatile than than a developed country's currency. Uh, and then we come to regulation. I mean, Brazil is a closed market, uh, meaning you cannot deal Brazilian reais outside of the borders. Uh, and you can also not transact in US dollars or in any foreign currency inside the Brazilian borders. Uh, this also makes it very, very hard uh, for companies to deal with uh, uh, because when you bring the money in, there's, there's a full, uh, to, to make uh, uh, any investment, there's a full framework that needs to be followed. Uh, then you're gonna invest in, in a currency that might might depreciate by, by a high percentage. So then there is the regulations, the taxes, the accounting. And, and then when we were talking about one market among 30 markets that a company wants to expand, this is far too much time. Exactly. And that's where they need specialists like you guys, I guess. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then uh, by using a solution uh, uh, like ours, the company would not need to open a local entity, meaning they would deal straight from their head office or the company they choose from, right? Uh, the company that is uh, providing the service or uh, selling the good. So this basically means that the, the life, the, the go live uh, period uh, is drastically reduced. Uh, and, and depending if we can leverage a few of, all, of our uh, connectivities, then we're talking about a couple of weeks, right? Uh, it's, it's more about uh, under the company understanding how the market operates, uh, understanding the contractual relationship, uh, and, and, and starting to operate, right? Then there is integration and so on and so forth, but this can be expedited as well. Uh, so then we're talking about a much, much shorter uh, time frame. Uh, for, for, for expansion, right? Makes sense, yeah. And I guess the, the potential as well for Latin America is huge, right? So doing a bit of research prior to um, the show, I noticed that uh, Latin America uh, e-commerce sales reached about 70 billion US dollars in 2019 and expected to rise for uh, for this year. I'm not sure what Corona does. Maybe it actually has a positive impact, but exactly, do you see yeah. that... Um, do you see that companies, are your clients from all over the world or are they predominantly coming from Europe or are they literally coming from anywhere to, uh, no, they, to come into Latin? They, yeah, they come, they come from all over the world. Uh, it's still predominant in the US. Uh, so the, the, the client base is, is, is mostly coming from the US, although we do have from, from other regions as well. Uh, I guess it's, it's also about uh, the the... The, the country itself, right? Uh, and, and concentration of global companies. Uh, if we look into, uh, uh, into all the regions in, on, on the planet, I, I would say that the US is, is the country that has the biggest concentration of, of global, co global companies uh, that, that are expanding their reach throughout the world. We are seeing, however, uh, uh, high volume coming from uh, uh, from China, from uh, Korea, from, from Asian countries as a whole, uh, mm -hmm. mostly to Brazil. Uh, 
right? Uh, so, and then uh, when we're talking about expansion, uh, mostly uh, the companies, the first thing they will look into is, is, is how to go into the market. Then they reach a barrier. Uh, sadly, Brazil is not exactly one of the highest countries uh, in the world in terms of, uh, of easiness of operating in. Uh, the, 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 the cost of the country, as, as, as we call it, is, is very high. Mm -hmm. uh, so the companies, they normally reach that wall and they stop. They give up and they stop their plans. Uh, one of the roles that I had in CD uh, was to talk with such global companies that were willing to uh, to to come to Brazil uh, by leveraging the the the, the CD global network, right? Uh, and uh, it was not uncommon for a company to not even do the investment or do one investment and stopping after they they really see what. What, what the requirements are to operate inside the country, right? So see, having this background, it is then very important that uh, uh, we find such companies and, and, and educate them in the sense that that's not the only way inside the country. It is possible to sell your goods to, uh, and, and services inside the country without having physical presence here, without having an entity set up. And, and, and this is where, uh, I think after these companies, they find that this, there is a solution for this, uh, then the volume will, will, will keep rising. We, we've seen volume rising greatly uh, of the market as a whole, right? Not the volume inside Primarca, but the, the market as a whole. Uh, mm -hmm. And we believe there's still very, very high potential in, in this for growth. We started PCN 12 years ago with a view to serving the fintech community from a growth perspective. Since 2008, PCN has helped household names in fintech as well as the largest global merchants grow with the best talent who have specific financial technology experience. If you are a VC with a portfolio of fintech businesses, a scale-up looking to hire the best talent, or a merchant looking to hire a head of payments or an entire payments team, get in touch today for a no-obligation consultation on how PCN can help you accomplish your hiring goals. You mentioned, we just touched on it, right? One of the kind of barriers to entry is the FX volatility. Um, and it's also uh, what we're going to discuss today to kind of look at how technology, how we can harness technology to control that uh, kind of FX risk. Why is that so relevant right now? So it has always been relevant uh, so if we look at historic numbers, the volatility of uh, the Brazilian real, uh, even against the Mexican peso, the Brazilian real is one of the most volatile currencies uh, because of, of, of several reasons, right? Uh, politics, economics. Uh, so it has always been as such. Uh, now with Corona uh, and all the 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 all the concerns have been reasoned about all economies worldwide. The first things that investors do is seek for safety, right? That, that, that's a normal trend. Uh, and once this starts to happen, uh, and once this started to happen, which it did uh, back in February, March, uh, the currency, the Brazilian how highly depreciates, high, highly loses value, uh, mostly against the dollar, right? The, the dollar is the benchmark for the currency. So that, that's a movement that naturally happens. 
what happens if you're a merchant that is outside of the country that prices your goods and services in Brazilian reais, if the currency devaluates, you automatically earn less dollars, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and this is that important because we have always seen, it's very, it was very common, a 10% devaluation, 20%. Uh, the thing is, we saw in a one to two month period, 35% devaluation, right? So it was very quick, very hard. So when we're talking about a devaluation like this, and, and, and this goes straight into the revenue itself, right? If you're selling a good for 100, whichever currency it is, if the conversion rate is four, you earn 25 on your currency. If the conversion rate is five, you earn 20. So it is an automatic hit on the revenue by the same percentage of the dev devaluation of the currency, right? So if it devaluated 35%, if a merchant takes two months from the sale of the good or service to the conversion period, that was a direct hit yeah. on the revenue, right? Uh, and the situation as a whole then means that there is a need to find a better solution. The solution would never be, in our opinion, to start accepting payments in dollars. And there are many reasons as to why this is not a, a plausible solution in this specific case. Mm -hmm. uh, this would be the most obvious one though, right? So if I have a, a, a currency problem, I'll just sell in the currency that I'm in. Let's say it's a merchant from the US. I'm just going to sell in dollars or a merchant from Europe. I'll just sell in euros, right? From the euros uh, from, from, that, that sells in euros, right? Not in Europe because there are many different currencies in Europe. Makes sense, yeah. But uh, that, that is not necessarily the best solution because then we start to get uh, on the difficulties of doing dollar or euro acquiring and sales inside such markets. So when we start to look deeper into the Latin American markets, uh, the two biggest ones being Brazil and Mexico, uh, those, those two markets is already difficult. Uh, the, perce the percentage of the population with access to credit cards is far from where the US and Europe stand for as an ex as examples right uh, then when we look into cards that are enabled for foreign currency then it's even less so the if, if the merchant wants to access those markets in us dollars uh, right from the start they're going to reach a very 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 small percentage of the population because of those things uh, in brazil itself uh, uh, there are very important alternative payment methods, which were already mentioned in this podcast, uh, if I recall correctly, two or three podcasts ago, uh, which is Boleto, uh, which is somewhat of a cash-based payment method that is also only accept only acceptable in reais. So you you would not be able uh, to accept such payment methods without a relationship with a company like ours, or also having the 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 the, the entity here in the first place, right? Uh, when, when we're talking about conversion of the currency, because the card is being charged in, in foreign currency, but the Brazilian consumer is paying in reais, their credit card bill. The spread on this conversion is 
also massive, and this is widely known. So everyone that has an alternative to payment in dollars, they will always choose that because right from scratch, they would pay another five to 6%, which is charged on top of the conversion. Uh, Brazil and Mexico, Colombia and other countries have installments. This is a very, very, very big thing throughout the market where the, the customer makes a purchase uh, and pays in 10 installments, let's say. So this installment is also very important in e-commerce, uh, mainly now uh, during Corona times where the, 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 the consumption shifted from stores to e-commerce on a very high percentage, right? If, if you need to buy clothing, you will no longer go to stores, you'll buy online. Uh, and clothing is something that has a high average ticket, right? Yeah. Uh, and in the stores, it's very common that you go, you, you buy 600 reais in clothing and you pay in three installments, for example. So you'll pay 200 on this credit card bill, 200 on the next and 200 on the other. Uh, if a merchant wants to sell the same thing without installments, which would be this case, and in dollars, there is an even lower likelihood that there would be a purchase on such website, right? And then when we go to Mexico, there's debit cards that cannot be accepted. So there are, there are many things that make the subject be that relevant. And it's not solely the effects itself. It's everything that comes after the decision of selling in foreign currency or in domestic currency. My involves all of this uh, that, that 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 I just uh, spoke about. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So offering the local currency basically has um, a benefit to kind of cover the market in the best way possible because some people don't have access to maybe using foreign currency credit cards um, or anything like that. Um, and it's also needed in order to achieve optimal uh, conversion. You said right because by offering the local payment methods, you need the FX and therewith uh, achieving optimal conversion for the merchants. Exactly. I mean, and, and there are, we, we can then even get if, uh, a little bit further uh, in terms of uh, pricing strategies. It is very, very common to see different pricing strategies in, uh, uh, in, in a few services such as video games, streaming. The price in Brazil is not the same as the conversion rate of what's the price in the US, right? Because by purchasing power, if this conversion was made, number of Brazilians or Mexicans consuming such services would be drastically smaller, right? So if you want to acquire in dollars, it doesn't allow you to have a different pricing strategy. So, I mean, we can, we can, we can talk a lot about uh, why companies to choose to work with company like ours and not to go straight uh, in foreign currency. Right? No, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. So what do you guys do then? What do you, how have you, how are you able to mitigate FX risk in, in such a good way? Have you developed something new or what are you guys doing? I mean, there, there are a few things uh, that we do. The first one is to understand the client needs. It, it might sound uh, 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 that like something easy that everyone does, and, and but it's, it's, it's not, right? Uh, a client, an OTA, doesn't have the same needs as a video game company. Uh, a company, a marketplace that sells physical goods doesn't have the same needs of a streaming company in the sense of one, so 
an OTA has a very, very high exposure to effects, right? If I'm a Brazilian going to the US and I'm paying for a hotel in the US, the hotel is going to receive dollars from the from the online travel agency, right? I'm buying, I'm paying the eyes. Yeah. So they have a direct cost in US dollars on this specific purchase. Uh, and any 5% variation on the effects hardly hits the OTA's margin. When we're talking about a video game company, all of their costs would be in dollars. Let's say, that, again, this, this video game company is in the US. So the development costs, the marketing costs, and so on and so forth, they are in dollars. But the specific cost of that product is not of that specific access that is being sold. It is not, right? So they can have a higher variation with a smaller impact in the margin. And most likely their pricing strategy is already different in Brazil and in Mexico than it is in the US and in Europe, pricing wise, mm -hmm. right? So there is, so this video game company will likely not require a daily conversion with daily settlement, right? Because doing it daily has extra costs. So it costs money to do this mainly in Brazil, where the settlement periodicity is in 31 days for credit cards, right? So you sell today, you only receive in 31 days. You can receive it today, but then there is an interest cost attached to it uh, for the factoring of those funds, right? So why, why would I, for this video game company, offer the same solution as I do for the OTA, which would be you sell today, I make the conversion tomorrow. Or today, I will make the conversion of the last 24 hour, hours of your sales, right? A video game company doesn't need this. It would, it, would, it would get extra costs into their business, which will not necessarily bring the benefit that it needs. Same thing for a marketplace company, right? They're, they're selling goods that their cost is directly in dollars and the revenue is in hands. They will likely need a daily uh, conversion as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is understanding the client's needs. And then what we do, we do the we, we, we adapt the conversion periodicity. So the periodicity at which we will convert Brazilian reais or Mexican pesos to dollars uh, or to euros or whichever foreign currency the, the, the merchant chooses. Uh, we can operate directly from Brazil in 10 or 15 different currencies. And then from Mexico, every currency existing. Uh, and then we're, we're going to adapt this, right? Uh, and then there is another solution uh, that we normally apply to OTAs, uh, which is we guarantee the effects rate prior to the conversion. So let me give an example. Today at 3 p.m. UTC, I will provide an exchange rate that I will use for the conversion tomorrow. So from today, 3 p.m. until tomorrow, 3 p.m., the, the, the OTA already knows what currency that's going to be applied. They mm -hmm. already know it. Uh, and then tomorrow, I close a conversion, remit the funds uh, abroad and make the payment to them. So they have literally no effects exposure whatsoever. They, have, they are 100% sure that the, that sale and that reservation is going to be converted at that exchange rate. So we can even go as far as removing the, the, the exchange risk 
as a whole for the merchant. Nice. So it differs basically the solution that you offer per industry the client operates in or per type of clients rather than exactly. per client in itself. Yeah, I mean, in the end, we, we have the same offering for, for every industry. Mm -hmm. uh, when we're talking to them, we, we, will, we, will, we will present all of the, the solutions, but we'll also make a recommendation, right? I mean, we, we can say, so look, if, if you have, we will we'll give them the outline assumptions. If they confirm, we, we can just say it's, it would be better if you go this way or that way or that way. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing in order to receive every episode as it's published. The fintech space is ever-changing, and we care about keeping you up to date with the latest happenings in this exciting space. If you wish to appear on the next episode of In Check with Fintech, please email podcast at teampcn.com. That's podcast at teampcn.com. Interesting. And then do you do that all? I mean, is this all set up manually? Is it automated? How does it work? Yeah. So this is, this is the part that I'm most proud of. Uh, uh, this is all, all hundred percent automated. One thing that I've learned is it is not possible to deliver a structure that looks simple, but on the background is very, very, very complex. And, and, and that is what we like. We like to sell it as a very simple solution. Uh, also for the companies, it's very important that it's as simple as it possibly can be. But on the background, it is very, very, very complex. Uh, it requires a lot of integration, a lot of logic uh, to be developed. Uh, so it is all 100% automated. Uh, the, the rate, the exchange rate is always pulled from the very same source, uh, regardless of merchant, uh, we provide the, the, the rates that the, if the merchants want uh, so that they can audit the rates and, and, and check against their, their most favorite benchmark to see uh, what they, uh, if, if the price they're receiving is, is indeed the pricing that the market is quoting on. Uh, so in order to deliver this level of transparency and quality, uh, it requires everything to be automated. Doing it manually would, would just require far too many people with far too much operational risk. And it would likely not be able to guarantee the level of, of service that, that, that is provided on a automatic basis, right? No, exactly. Very impressive. Did you, is it all self-built or do you partner with companies in order to uh, enable all this? So the, the integration itself uh, and the reporting is all self-made. Um, for this specific uh, uh, effects guaranteed part, uh, we partner with City. Uh, oh. They also have an API. Uh, this was developed also when I was back in City. So I saw this whole implementation from the bank side. Uh, so when I joined uh, uh, Merle Pay, uh, this was already set up. So we, we partnered with City for this specific part, uh, but all the rest was, was self-developed. Interesting. How long ago did, you, did Premier Pay start using this then? Ever since they started, um, since they were in business or how long ago did they start using no, this? No, so on the very early days of the company, uh, the merchants that we were serving, didn't, they, they didn't, we didn't have OTAs uh, at the very early days. Mm -hmm. uh, and we didn't have any merchants that really needed such a solution. Uh, 
the company first started uh, uh, the, the first transaction in 2015, uh, and this was developed. This went live mid 2015, late 2015. So it took six months, I would say, uh, for this to be fully implemented and fully automated. Yeah, so yeah, not yeah, from the very, very, very early days, not not from the very beginning, but certainly from from the very early days of the company. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I, you said that I asked you in earlier, kind of why is it so relevant now, right? You, well, you said it's 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 always been relevant. Um, it's hard to miss that we're obviously in a crisis at the moment. How has Corona impacted? Well, I guess uh, FX volatility volatility has probably only increased, but I guess also in terms of the um bi businesses from outside of latam outside of brazil you see coming into now brazil do you see that there's more interest to do business in brazil has it remained the same has it changed or, or yeah what does it look like so specific from corona times uh we don't see a high increase in the number of companies that are not present in brazil wanting to come no. Uh, and I would say this is mostly because uh, every company is, is somewhat suffering, right? Some more and some less. Uh, but during this crisis time, it is natural the companies look back home uh, and, and, and start to, to, to be sure their business is safe. Uh, I'm sure that after this period of, of getting the house in order of the companies, uh, being sure the company is healthy, uh, they're going back to this to the expansion plans, and the, the the volume of companies wanting to speak and wanting to enter the market is going to rise. Uh, what we did see, however, is companies willing to uh, to listen to other partners and other providers looking to uh, enhance their payment solution, right? Uh, be it to have a fallback, be it to, uh, in terms of transparency, to look for other providers. So this, this is a movement we did see during Corona times. Uh, so the payment managers of companies have been looking uh, also for alternatives. Uh, and, and this is something that, that highly benefits us, right? Uh, this values that we're, we've been talking about here, so the, the transparency of the conversions, uh, the automation, uh, providing a service that is as tailor-made as possible is, is what we've been built on, right? So in the end, this, is, uh, the, this movement, uh, I can't say it was positive because uh, nowhere it was positive, uh, but it was not uh, uh, nearly as negative. Exactly. Good to hear that, at least. Um, that's all we have in these, uh, in these <laughs> days. Um, yeah. So for, for everyone listening that is, is looking to get into LATAM to maybe enter those markets, besides this, besides FX risk, or at least hedging against FX risk, what else should uh, people consider when entering those markets? So I would say that the first thing is alternative payment methods. Uh, this is something that uh, is starting to get big through, uh, through the US, through Europe, uh, but this is something that has always been in the, in the DNA of the Latin markets. Uh, Boleros in Brazil, also in Mexico, Pago Efectivo, uh, Baloto, I, I, can, I can mention a few others, but 
this is something that is inside the DNA of the of, of the clients, right? Uh, this is on their day to day. So this is this is very important when a company is willing to accept payments locally uh, to see whether they are accepting the, the the most used payment methods and that they're up to speed on the innovations that are happening. Uh, one example is Brazil. Brazil is about to launch a new cash-based payment method, uh, which is going to work 24-7, uh, which is certainly not the case in Boleto. Uh, Boleto is only business hours uh, that, mm-hmm. that, that it works. Uh, so it is also going to bring a lot of people that were outside of the, of the e-commerce market uh, into it, right? So uh, it is also going to allow companies uh, that couldn't offer uh, uh, such payment methods uh, to start offering. Let's use an example of an OTA uh, that will need to make the reservation of the hotel or an airline that would have to reserve uh, uh, the, the ticket. And they would, this today is a Friday and they will only receive confirmation if the payment was made on Monday. This is just not possible, right? Uh, so these companies, they would just not accept boletos at all. Uh, so they can then start to accept cash-based payment methods, uh, and this would increase the range of clients that they can uh, uh, offer and they can range uh, because of these new payment methods, right? So it's, it's also very important to be sure uh, that you are up to speed with the innovations in the sector. This is this specific case being developed by the government, so by the Central Bank of Brazil. Uh, so it's not even something that a company is developing or anything like this, right? This is uh, as official as it gets. Uh, so that's that's the first thing I would say. The second thing is uh, always be sure that you understand uh, the currency uh, and the exchange rate that is being applied. Uh, it is not new uh, that conversion is hard in emerging markets as a whole mostly in closed countries such as Brazil, and is also not hard uh, that, let's say, not the correct benchmark is used to mm-hmm. charge the margin. So it's always important to compare to broadly used benchmarks such as Bloomberg, Reuters, Wanda, whichever benchmark it is that you use, it's always very important to use against those benchmarks uh, that are broadly used everywhere, right? So to be sure, that the exchange rate that is being given is the fairest possible. Uh, And also that the more markets you accept payments in, uh, the more more revenue you're gonna have, right? So going into LATAM shouldn't be seen as going into Brazil or going into Mexico. There are are many more markets uh, uh, out there. Uh, that also poses significant uh, revenue line when we look into as a continent and as a region as a whole, right? When we see LATAM as a region, uh, it's not only Brazil and Mexico. There are many other countries that are uh, very worth looking into. Which multiplies complexity as well, I guess, right? So in terms of currency, regulation, payment methods. It multiplies complexity, you're correct, but that's why... The, the solution that I, I mean, I can talk about from pay, right? The solution that we provided is the smoothest possible, right? Yeah. So we would have the same contract 
for all territories. Commercials would be different, right? But the same uh, underlying contract throughout the region, the same integration throughout the region. We th there is the currency complexity, uh, but uh, if, if this is a concern, we can always do the daily settlements, which will drastically reduce any concern. So although I agree here, it does increase complexity. Uh, there would be the translation of the websites, although Spanish, you would already be able to reach the vast majority of LATAM, right? Uh, so it's, it would be basically two languages, uh, Spanish and Portuguese, but yeah, so it is, it, it does add complexity, but not, uh, at the same rate as it adds uh, as as it adds revenue, I would say. No, exactly. Yeah. So one of the other things that maybe uh, people out there listening or looking to sell in Latam should consider is working with a local expert like you guys, who could take a, take away a lot of the headaches. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Nice. Thank you. So what I do want to touch on because we talked about that just before the show um, is something you guys are working on right now, right? With the pandemic that we talked about, um, I think you guys are doing something really cool. Can you talk a bit more about that? So yeah, one thing that we've been making on this front is uh, the, the government is, is, doing, is giving an aid to the people uh, in the form of a Corona voucher. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's a, on, it's, it's a, it's a debit card. Uh, they can also be used for e-commerce transactions. Uh, and what we're doing is we're donating a, a percentage of the, 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 the processing fee from such transactions to a hospital here in Sao Paulo. It's called Hospital das Clinicas. Uh, it's a public hospital that, is, uh, uh, that has always uh, uh, helped uh, people in, this, in, 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 in worse situations and is helping, is leading uh, the COVID initiatives uh, here in, in, in the city, which is one of the, the, the most impacted regions of the country uh, during this time. So we're, we're, we're taking part of this fee to, to also give back to the community by donating to, to this hospital. Great, I think that's really cool. Providing financial aid. Yeah, exactly, giving, giving something back. Right? It's always important uh, in such times. Absolutely, yeah, indeed, I like it. Great, Rafael. Is there, I mean, what's next for, for Primerica? Is there any scoop you can give us in terms of what you guys are, are, are working on? Um, products, solutions, services, um, anything that is coming out uh, from Primerica? Yeah, so what we're working on mostly now is the expansion throughout the territories. Uh, we have just launched Colombia, uh, so we now can accept payments uh, in, in Colombia. We're launching Peru-Ecuador. Uh, one market that was uh, dormant in our radar was Argentina, which we're back uh, into, into developing a solution there. Uh, so our, our, main cons our main focus has been now on expanding through the region uh, to accept more and more territories uh, and to always uh, be part with the innovations in the sector. Uh, PEX is the example, the, the, the new payment method that the Brazilian Central Bank is developing now to be sure that we're always offering the, the best solution to our clients. So that, that, that's mostly where we, we've been focusing our efforts on. Great, all right, okay. That sounds cool. So really basically using the potential, like you said, of the revenue streams that LATAM region has to offer and um, to really capitalize on all of those and, and offer the best coverage possible. Exactly.
nice um cool hey for those people um again who are listening and who do are interested in latem um where can they find you where can they find primero pay if they want to know more so we have our website so primeropay.com uh we also have a blog that is inside our, our website our linkedin page also primero pay uh i'm on on linkedin so rafael bufaki uh you can also see my, my second name is not not the easiest one so you can also find on the title of podcast <laughs> uh for for how it is spelled perfect thanks very much rafael uh thanks for being on the show um it's been uh, very insightful i hope that um the listeners have uh, had a lot of views of this um and um yeah thanks for your time yeah thank you very much for the invite it was it was great to 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 be a part of the podcast you're very welcome. With pleasure. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And I um, hope to um, hear you on the next show. Thanks for listening. And we'd like to leave you with a more serious message from a partner, Free a Girl, who are dedicated to founding child prostitution and impunity all over the world. Hi, I'm Evelyn, CEO and founder of Free a Girl. Every day, two million children, especially girls, are being held captive worldwide. They are locked up and exploited in brothels, dance bars, or online, forced into sexual exploitation. Their freedom is taken away together with their youth, family, and future. We are dedicated to fight sexual exploitation of children by rescuing these girls. Please join us, unlock their freedom, and unlock your potential by becoming a business partner. Please visit freeagirl.com for more information. Thank you.